0: Two. One. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. We got a smaller group in here in person today, but hopefully, we have a, a larger group joining us live uh, on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, I just want to welcome you all. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for being here. Um, I'm Jamie, I'm the associate pastor here, and uh, we're, we're just glad you're with us on some level and in some capacity. So uh, just a few announcements before we get started. Um, Obviously, there are some new guidelines, and so we just want to kind of clarify what we're doing, uh, and and you should have gotten an email from Kathy um, this week, or actually probably yesterday, just sort of um, laying out the different cohorts, as we're calling them, not groups, but cohorts, and Pastor Brian chose that word because it's about he, he just said it's a group of people banding together for a cause. and Banded together. Banded together. Yeah, we like that, right? So, so here we are with cohort A. Is it cohort A? The A team, the a team is in the house. <laughs> so cohort A. And so these um, different groups, is, is there four of them? Are we doing four? Five. We're doing five cohorts. And so every Sunday, that cohort that's assigned will be meeting here in person while everyone else is watching live, and and then we'll just take turns sort of coming through here. The reason for that is obviously because with the new guidelines, they've cut us down to a maximum of 25 or so people in this room. And so we want to obviously abide by those guidelines, the wishes of our landlords and the state as well. But we're finding a way to meet, and so we're going to continue to find a way to meet as much as we can, as often as we can. And uh, that actually brings me to the midweek group. Uh, On Wednesday nights, as you know, we have a midweek service. We've continued that, um, and that obviously um, has the same guidelines. But the, the fortunate thing for us is that we've been sort of averaging about 20 to 25 people on a Wednesday night. So what we'd like to do is, is we want to just sort of open that up because maybe there's some folks who would rather come on a Wednesday night or there's a week that they're not, their cohort is not uh, assigned on that Sunday and so they want to meet in person because we usually do have a little music and worship um, and then we have a lesson and some conversation. It's really good. Uh, and so if you do want to get involved with us, uh, speak to me or Pastor Brian and what we're talking about doing is, is a, a reservation list kind of like we have been doing for the Sundays. So that way, if we get to that point where we're at 25 or more, uh, we can start to do another set of cohorts, maybe A and B, and and there'll be more people banded together for Christ, right? Amen? So um, we want to encourage that. We want to encourage you. Uh, Pastor Brian's message here today is about perseverance. It's called Don't Give Up. And it's funny because, like, you know, I, as I was just talking to Bernice prior to service and we were just so, sort of saying how important it is for us sort of in these times to keep pressing forward and pushing on. And so I'm going to share something very quickly um, before Pastor Brian comes up because he's going to share an update about, uh, with, our, with our missionaries uh, in Guatemala, Emma and Renzo. But before he does that, I just wanted, as I was getting ready this morning, and I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, Paul, what he's saying here. I love how he, he's talking about uh, the importance of self-discipline in this walk, but also perseverance and how we have to be ready and to train our bodies. You know, and I was once upon a time I was actually an athlete. And um, you know, I used to do things like run and play sports and lift weights um, pretty often. It was part of my regular life. And as a competitor, I had, I had this competitive spirit. You know, there was never this sort of like you know when a runner is running, and 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 this is what I thought of about when we were talking about in the context of perseverance. You know, when you get to that like third mile. You know, you know that the next mile is going to be a challenge, but you don't say, oh, yeah, I can't do this. I'm quitting. This next mile is going to be worse than the last. What you do is, is you look at how many miles you've already run. You say, look, I've made it this far, or I've won this many games, or we've beat that opponent before. And you say, so I have it in me, or we have it in us to sort of win and to continue on. And this should sort of give us that opportunity, that ability to fight. It's called a fighting spirit, a winning spirit. And that's what I think Paul is talking about here. And this is what Pastor Brian is going to preach on is, is us not giving up. That in the face of adversity, we have opportunity. And we've come this far, right? As a church, the church has been around for thousands of years. And so this little virus here is definitely not going to be the thing that knocks us out. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. Amen. And so we have to remember we're on the winning team. And we gotta stop living as if we're not. And I think a lot of us have. We've given up mentally or even spiritually. And so as, as, as Bernice and I were talking, she reminded me, you know, there's things in our lives that we've had the opportunity over these past several months to really look at that maybe we were taken for granted, that, that they, they were primary things in our lives that we weren't given the attention that they deserved, or maybe the gratitude that they deserve, and the privilege of coming together in worship, right? We always talk about how how great it is in this country that we have that right, and now here it is being challenged. So what do we do? We don't give up. We persevere. We push on. We train ourselves for these moments. That's what Christianity is. Amen? So I'm going to have Pastor Brian come on up, and he's going to share a little bit about uh, Emma and Renzo before uh, I open us up in prayer this morning.
1: Well, good morning. I, uh, I'll tell you, I had a, uh, a video conference call with Emma and Renzo in Guatemala a couple days ago. And, you know, as, as we've kind of wrestled through some of the things Jamie just touched on, the challenges for everybody and, and the struggles and, and, you know, wanting to get together and be comfortable Emma and Renzo had shared with me how, you know, they were able to get a house. They don't have any furniture. They don't have any appliances. They're going through their food, their supplies. They, they're they trying to get places that are so far away that the government's saying don't travel there because there's so many people in need because of the earthquakes. The People have lost everything. And they're there, and I'm sitting, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt us, but I'm sitting there in my beautiful house in this comfortable leather chair, and they're telling me how much of a blessing it is that I'm I'm encouraging them and praying with them. And here they are, literally risking their lives. And then, you know, simply saying, we're asking for prayer, and, you know, we don't have any furniture yet, we don't have any appliances, but, you know, and I just thought to myself, we complain because we can't all get together in our comfortable building with our comfortable chairs, and, and 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 I get it. But here they are trying to figure out a way, despite the fact that they have no furniture and no appliances, to travel where the government says it's not safe to go because people don't know Jesus. And they were encouraged by me. We got it. We got it mixed up somehow. So I want to challenge you. You know, one of the things I said to them is we're gonna. We're going to pray, but we're going to step in the gap. We are able to step in the gap. And I said, so we're going we're gonna to raise some money, and the goal is to have part of that say buy your furniture and buy your appliances and money. That goes a long way in Guatemala. And then half of it is going to go, you buy food, you buy supplies, and you send it to those folks. So we already had like a couple quick conversations. We already got $1,000, but I want to let everybody know here and everybody know online, reach out to myself, Kathy, Pastor Jamie, and we'll let you know. Um, but it just be like, you know, regular giving through the same ways, you, either notation. Um, but just let us know, because we really want to bless them in this season and let them know. First of all, pray for them. Intentionally pray for them. But we also want to stand in the gap. We want to let them know that, hey, we're going to come alongside and, uh, and enable you to do that. So I just wanted to share that with you and encourage you to prayerfully consider that. What an impact they're having. They're living out the gospel. They're not saying, oh, but there was an earthquake Oh, we're not comfortable. Oh, but they're saying, (laughs) how do we get food? How do we get to those people? Are we saying that? Are we saying that, church? Are we saying, forget about what's going on. How do we get to those people?
0: Amen. So it is, it's amazing when you hear about what's going on in other countries and how different it is here, right? Um, we have all kinds of technology and comfort, so it's like we're quarantined and we're complaining about being stuck home with all of our cable TV, our Netflix and thousands of movies and so on and so forth. Not to say that it's easy, because it is a challenge on some level, but I think we sort of kind of forget about, you know, what it's like elsewhere. We're so privileged. Um, first, uh, first John 3.16, I believe it says, you know, uh, if you have the world's good and you see a brother and sister in need, and you don't give it to them, then the love of God is not in you. And so that's the first thing I thought about as, as Pastor Brian was sharing that. And that convicted me. is just the word of God itself. I don't need you to guilt me, Brian. Thank you. So, <laughs> but anyways, no, it's definitely a great cause. And so uh, what we're going to do is, is I'll have the worship team come on up. And uh, we're going to transition to worship here. We're going to pray as we start. And uh a few folks we want to lift up as well. Y'all can stand if you're here in person, that's fine. <clears throat> Father, we come before you this morning, you know, grateful for all that we do have. Uh, help us to change our perspectives, to, to get away from the complaining that it's so easily for us to get caught up in. Help us to count our blessings, Lord, to remember how good we have it. Someone said to me this week, it's funny how so many people have complained about not being able to go to church when a lot of people don't even go when they can. And that hit me. You know, we've really got to sort of take a look at ourselves and we've really got to look at what our priorities are now. God's showing us that. This phase may not pass for a long time, Lord. So who we are in all of this, Lord, is is really important your church, shining its light however and wherever we can. Father, we lift up Emmer and Renzo to you who are doing this work in a difficult place at a difficult time, Lord, with so little means. They don't even have the basic comforts, Lord, and here they are giving of themselves to others. So many of us, Lord, we think that we have to get all our stuff together before we can give, Lord, and that's not what this is all about. As Paul said in the scripture I read, Lord, it's about us beating our bodies, training ourselves, going through the challenges and the difficulties, sacrificing and living selflessly and laying our lives down for our brothers and sisters. Help us to get to that place, Lord. Help us to remember what this is all about. The gospel is a life for a life, Lord. Jesus, you gave us yours, so the least we can do is give ours back to you. Father, there are some, some mourning people who are probably watching who are part of this body, Lord. And, Lord, there are some people who are praying diligently and fervently, God, for their loved ones as they battle health crises. And so, Lord, as we come together now in unity, God, in full agreement and on one accord, we come to you, creator of all things, Father, asking you, Lord, to comfort the Joachim family as as, uh, they mourn the loss of of their dad, of, of Pablo's dad. Father, be with them as they sift through the memories, Lord. And, the Lord, help them to find comfort and peace in you, knowing that you're in control. And, Lord, we lift up the England family as, uh, as Izzy's dad, Neil, goes through some uh, major procedures in the coming days. Um, we ask you, Lord, to be with the doctors, to be with the nurses and the specialists, God. Father, that you would give them him the best possible medical care he could receive, bring everything to recollection that they've ever studied. Give them great discernment, God, supernatural ability. Father, heal him, God, restore him. But in this process, Lord, beyond the physical, we're asking you for great spiritual breakthrough with him, with his wife, with the whole family, his kids and grandkids, Father that they would see your hand moving here that they would cry out to you Lord and that you would make it so evident and obvious and they would do that for all of us Lord Father that we would all see and remember the great things that you do and can do Lord that we wouldn't get complacent we wouldn't get lazy we wouldn't get too comfortable Lord we remember that that their tides are shifting here in this country and all the comforts and the false securities maybe that we've been resting on our whole lives might be falling to pieces right before us. And Lord, help us not to be so naive to think that that cannot happen. Help us to remember that in you we have everything we need and that you are sovereign and you are in control, God. And that we don't rely on men, we rely on a risen Savior. And so Father, while this life is just a vapor, help us to live boldly for you, courageously for you, faithfully for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning, church. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Thank you, Pastor Jamie. Our first song is Mighty to Save, and it seems quite fitting in the times that we're in. Amen? The first verse says, Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let your mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a savior, and the hope of nations. I couldn't help but think of Emma and Renzo. In reading those words, and earlier during practice, uh, those words kind of struck, it's like, wow, the hope of nations. A love that's never failing. We all need compassion, we all need our savior. So, Lord, we thank you for making us, molding us into those precious jars of clay, Lord. With our bumps, our bruises, Lord, our scratches, our dents, and our dings, Lord. Your precious truth is held within, Lord. But, Lord, it's not just for us, as your word goes on to say that. May we pour that truth, Lord, your amazing love that was poured onto us first. To the rest of this world that's in such dire need of it, Lord. May your will be done this morning.
3: compassion, love that's never failing, let mercy fall on me, and everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. and failures Feel my life. and fill my life again I give my life to follow everything I believe To say, He is mighty to save, forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grazing Savior, Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave shine your light shine your light and let the whole world see for the glory of the risen king jesus shine your light Can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to say, forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the gracing savior. savior. Can move the mount. My God is mighty. To save the man. author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave amen thank you trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name.
2: My hope, my hope
3: is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I dare not trust. The sweetest rain, but holy trust in Jesus' name, Christ, the cornerstone, weak, made strong in the same.
4: changing
3: Shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found? Just in his right, just this alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone. Christ alone. Savior's love Through the storm He is Lord Lord of Christ alone one more time Christ alone Cornerstone Weak made strong In the Savior's, Savior's love the story. he
4: With selfless,
3: with selfless fear, with selfless
4: fear.
1: welcome you into this place, Lord. We are grateful to be in your presence. Father, to gather together in person and online, God, to be one church, united in our worship of you, in our desire to bring you glory with our lives. And so, Father, we gather here to be changed, Lord, from within by our increasing intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so draw us now, each one here in this room, regardless of where we are, the week we've had, where we think we need to be tomorrow, put us on pause, Lord, and draw us into a deeper, into a greater intimacy. Give us a hunger and thirst for your presence, for your word, for your righteousness. Cleanse us, Lord. Make us new this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. It's, uh, it's not surprising to see just the way the Holy Spirit works and moves. You know, the worship team, sometimes they have a theme. I mean, they're great. You know, it's always worshiping Jesus, so that's always, that always applies, Right? But sometimes they have a theme, but they don't often know what I'm preaching on. And and they prepare the the worship and prayerfully and and sometimes they'll ask for feedback. And Pastor Jamie and I, you know, we connect throughout the week, but we don't really, you know, talk about the you know the scriptures we're gonna share. And and the title of my message this morning is Do Not Give Up. And in one of the songs we sang, I wanna point out. Something. It said, He moves the mountains. He's mighty to save. We don't move the mountains. We're not mighty to save. You know what our part was? It says, We give, we believe, and we surrender. He moves the mountains. He's mighty to save. Right now, today, in the midst of our turmoil, chaos, uncertainty, He's still mighty to save. He's still the one that's going to move the mountains. And we get to give and we get to believe and we get to surrender. And then it closed and it said, we sing and then we shine for his glory. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? That's the sermon. You can go home. Those are the cliff notes, right? So the title of the message this morning is, do not give up. And I want to begin, and I I just want to begin by reading the word of the Lord. And if you want to close your eyes, you want to keep your eyes open, but I want you to to focus, to hear the Word. Sometimes we hear, you know, we hear things so often that they can almost lose their potency. And I want us to hear this fresh and new because the Word of God is living and active and it's going to speak to us. It doesn't change what it says, but it changes the way it says it. And in our context and the way we receive, all that comes into play. Do you not know Have you not heard? I love that pronouncement. I love that proclamation. Like, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I have an announcement to make. Maybe maybe you don't know. Maybe you haven't heard with, with sort of this exclamation. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God. The infinite, omnipotent, sovereign, just, perfect creator in charge of all him the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired and his understanding is unsearchable in other words we have limited understanding what we can't fathom fully what the lord's doing so we can look around and we can try to figure things out but sometimes we don't know but here's the promise ready He gives strength to the weary. And to the one who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Who needs new strength this morning? They will mount up and w- with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. And they will walk and not become weary. Not they may, not they might, not perhaps. And, and you know what the condition is? It says for those who wait upon, it, it's really probably better translated, for those who hope in. So the picture is, if, if you don't know, if you haven't heard, the creator of all, the Lord who's in control, the one who doesn't get tired if you and your race are getting tired and you want to hold on to and live in the promises of God, then you know what you need to do? You need to hope in the Lord. That means your focus always needs to be eternal. That means your trust always needs to be upon Him. That means no matter what you can see in front of you, you have the reality of the promises of God inside of you coming through you. We see every day the promises of God unfolding. We're in the middle of a, of a pandemic, right? We were just looking at the budget going into the new fiscal year. In the middle of this, our regular attendance has increased 25%. 25 to 30% of people have said, this is our home church and are giving accordingly. So we're in a healthier place physically, financially, spiritually than we've ever been because people are hungry. Because Why? Because all the, all the institutions they thought they can put their ultimate trust in, both in a community, the government, everything, and then individually, in my finances, in my health, in my job, all of a sudden we go, wait a minute. My security is not so secure. My safety doesn't feel so safe. And it's good. We pause and then we say, boy, first I'm going to be grateful for when I get those things. But then, and I can't help but tie this back to Emma and Renzo, they never have a guarantee of those things. They never have a guarantee of those things the the way we do. And they are joyfully proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to the most broken people in the most dangerous places. And I gotta stop. And, and again, I'm not trying to beat us up. I, I mean, listen, where your context is your context. You don't have to escape it, but you're responsible to it. In other words, you're responsible to your position in life, to the resources you have. God's not gonna go to somebody who had nothing and say, Why didn't you give? And usually the people who have less would give the most, relatively speaking. He's gonna say to the ones who had a lot, why didn't you do more? And I don't want to be one of the people he says that to. And I'm just not talking just about our resources. I'm talking about our hearts to the Lord and then our lives to others. Serving. Looking at this as an opportunity. I'm going to talk about it, but here's, here's sort of my main, man, this is the burden. This is, this is the burning desire. This is what I'm sure is happening. That the Lord is preparing us right now in this church. Preparing us to be ministers because you know why? I can guarantee you when this thing's over that there is going to be a huge influx. We've already seen it now. And so we have opportunities now to develop ourselves spiritually, to press in on Jesus, all the things we've been talking about, but it's bigger than just us. I'm not telling you to do that just so you feel better because things are tough for us right now. That advice is going to do that. So, in other words, if you do press in and think of others and serve, you will feel better and it will bring you out of your context. But I'm also telling you that because that's the command. It's only for us first and then it's for everybody else. I know Jesus, I know where I'm going, I have eternity in front of me. No matter what happens to me, like Paul says, no matter what it looks like to me here, I'm good. It can't get bad for me relative to those who have no hope in Christ. So what's my focus going to be? Making my journey comfortable? This is going to be a convicting message because as I'm preparing this, and this was, you know, the way the Lord, the Holy Spirit works here, I have this conversation with Emma and Renzo. Try to connect with them every now and then. It hasn't happened. And I have this video conference with them. And all this stuff comes together. Because this is real life Christianity. This is where it gets messy. This is where people are going, Oh yeah, I'm gonna gonna run and try to find my comfort and strength and a million other things like I've done my whole life. And broken at the end, the Lord will be there. And He'll still say, Come to me, those who are weary, and I will give you rest. Thankfully, we know that promise. Those who put their hope not in what they see around them, but those who put their hope in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, those are the ones whose strength will be renewed. Everybody else is just going to get burnt out and exhausted. Because if their hope isn't in Christ, it's in something else. Let's face it, it's been a rough year. But we have to move beyond determining how well we do just externally. You know, Pastor Jamie the other day, he put something on his Facebook and he said, how about if everybody lists one good thing that happened to them in 2020? And you know, I thought of it and, and right away I put, you know, at the time, whatever it was, 320, I said 326 days I woke up to experience God's grace and mercy again with breath in my lungs for that day that wasn't promised. I'll just start there. Did we forget that? Did we just take that for granted as like, yeah, I'm alive. I'm probably healthier than most people I'm speaking to us right now. My relative comfort level is is above most of the world. I'm, I'm doing all right. What are we doing with our all right? What are we doing? Consider it joy. That's that's what we've been talking about. That's what we, you know, struggles, difficulty, consider it joy, not happiness, not pleasure. Nobody's happy about struggle. Nobody's happy about when difficulty comes and it shows you where you lack faith. You kind of fall apart, like you're all ready to, you know, dig in spiritually. And then something comes and you're knocked right out. And so not only are you feeling defeated, but now you feel like, well, I just failed in my faith. Some of you maybe that's where you are right now, I'm sure, between everybody online and I'm sure there are people that feel like that. Nobody's happy when they lack faith. Nobody's happy when they feel weak. And yet there is something incredibly, profoundly beautiful and powerful about when we get to the place where we say, I am weak. Because the Bible says that's where he is strong. Joy is something deeper, it's more lasting, it's sourced from within, not from without. This stuff isn't new, but we need to hear this morning about perseverance, and you know, it's interesting, On, I was asked to speak in the, the last couple of midweeks, I was there and we were sharing on, um, on Reformation teaching, we went through TULIP and we talked about the perseverance of the saints, and I'm talking about don't give up, and I'm talking about perseverance, but the idea is very much tied to that, that perseverance in the saints that it's Him who keeps us. We're running the race, but he already won the prize. It's him who's going to continue the work until Christ comes. Persevere. That's our part. What does that look like when we press in, when we submit to the spirit instead of the flesh in our walk with the Lord? We know. We've heard it. It's not about what we know. It's about who we know. I shared with the group Christianity is not primarily an idea, a philosophy, or a position. That's not primarily what Christianity is. It's not your religion, it's not your ideology, it's not just your worldview. Those are things, those are components of your reality. But Christianity, in its heart, is about the person of Jesus Christ, it's centered on Jesus Christ who came and proved he was God in the flesh, who died for our sins and who rose again. That's what it's all about. That fact in history that split time and splits our lives right in half. See, what we need is less answers and we need more comfort, more hope, more of God's promises. Our our deficit, church, my deficit and your deficit, the things that Maybe give us pause when we consider ministering. Our deficit is not primarily intellectual. We like to think it is. Well, I want to minister, but I don't really have the the answers. And we're gonna we're gonna look perfectly at, a, at at an example. But you know what our you know what our real problem is? It's relational. Because you can't help but as you as you deeper in your relationship with jesus and you spend more time with him you can't help but be more sensitive to what's going on around you you can't help but have that little urge to make that call that maybe you don't want to make but you know that's going to bless somebody walking with god getting to know him causes us to be blessed by his presence Perseverance, continuing in the fight, not giving up, is less about what we know and more about how well we know how to walk with God. If you don't know how to walk with God now through difficulty, you gotta. when you learn how to walk with God, you can walk with Him through anything. This is not a time where you go, well, me and the Lord can't do this part. So we have an opportunity. We have a time to press in, I think, to be more self-focused spiritually in this season as a church because I believe the Lord is preparing us as soldiers for ministry and that many, many people are going to continue to come to us. I see this as a season of preparation. And so I want to encourage us to get ourselves strong spiritually. You know, I would never, ever be able to shepherd And teach and encourage if my relationship with Christ and my wife and family weren't healthy. Not perfect, but healthy, growing, failing, but continuing on. Trying to be a servant, trying to do the right thing to set the right example. So we've been focusing on being aware of who we are in Christ, about looking at our influences, about taking an assessment of where we are spiritually, about delighting ourselves in the presence in the word of God. So, Father, right now, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, soften hearts. Lord, break down walls. Holy Spirit, have your way. Convict, challenge, encourage, direct. Father, help us to submit to you. In Jesus' name. You've heard me say before, probably every time I preach, that people say all the time, Pastor Brian, being a Christian is not easy. And my response is always, you know, it's more difficult not being a Christian. Life is difficult. Life following Jesus is difficult. But I will promise you that walking with Jesus will prove much tougher. Proverbs 16.25 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it's end." is the way to death. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, we shared a few weeks ago, that I hate that this is in the Bible. This is discouraging to me. This is so discouraging. I don't want Jesus to say this. I don't want this to be true. Of all the things in Scripture, this is one of the things, this bothers me. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. Man, my heart breaks for that. Because really when I read that, I just go, I should have been the many. That should have been me, though. Like, why am I here? Our heart should break for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those are few who find it. See, it's so hard to do the right thing, and it's so easy to do the wrong thing. It's so easy to, to slide into that default. And sadly, we know that more people will join you on the journey to destruction. It is not hard to pick up the phone and get people who will do the, you know, that's, it's not hard to find people that will co-sign wrong stuff. It's hard to find people that will speak truth and life to you. See, I know right now many of us, many of you are going through some very difficult times. And the reality is that there's nobody in this room that will not or has not gone through difficult times. That all of us at some point will have trouble. Jesus said that. I've told you these things. I've told you all about the world, all about, all about the hatred, all about what's to come, so that in me you may have peace. not in what you know, not in, you know, not in the rituals that you have, not in your gathering places, not in your habits and your rituals, but in Christ. Your peace doesn't come from gathering here or your peace doesn't come from reading your Bible. I mean yeah, it does, because it points to Christ. It's about Jesus. And he says, take heart or be encouraged or focus on this thing, I've overcome the world. My victory is bigger than your struggle, way bigger. And so right now, if you're not going through a tough time, there's four things that you can be doing. If you're going through a tough, I've always said in some sense, if you're here, we're either ministering to you or we're ministering with you. And that's not mutually exclusive. So we're all at times ministered to, and we're ministering, and that's the healthy dynamic. That should always be the case. But sometimes you're in a season where you're just being ministered to. And other times the dynamic should be if you're in a season where you're relatively healthy, you should be primarily ministering, right? Do we get that? That's how that should look in our lives. It's likely that many of us might not be doing what we really ought to do. Then there are some options I'm going to talk about that are partially right. But I think there's one thing we ought to be doing as follower of Jesus. And I think, like I said, for many of us, if things are going well, we focus on ourselves. And I get that, and we all do. And so maybe sometimes we pray for others who are going through a tough time. And maybe sometimes we, we walk with, with others who are going through a tough time, and those are better things. But here's the challenge, if things are going well for you right now, if your faith is strong, if you're in a season of blessing, then what you and I both ought to be doing, we ought to be walking and praying with people who are struggling. Walking and praying, because when times are tough, we need both. We need people to come by us and say, I want to commit. I want to pray with you. I want to walk through this with you. I want to be here for you. We kind of say it and we, you know, it's like kind of like a, a t- you know, touch and go, like little shotgun blast. Like somebody goes through something and then, you know, they get these little hits randomly from people instead of somebody saying, I'm here for you. Let's do this thing together. You know, C.S. Lewis, in in one of his books, he talks about, you know, weeping on a bench. And people, you know, you're there crying and they want to come for you. And they don't want to say the wrong thing. And they don't know what to do and what to say. And he said, "All all you're looking for is somebody to just sit on the bench with you. They don't have to say anything. Just the reassurance that I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Is there anybody in your life right now that's going through stuff that you've said, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere? There are people, I'm sure, within in this ministry that really need to hear that right now. And Pastor Jamie and I can't be that for 200 people. But we can all be that for a couple, right? So this morning we're going to talk about what Paul encourages Timothy to do, what Paul himself did, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. In Micah 7, verse 7 and 8, it says, But as for me... I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I love that. What am I doing? Oh, I'm focused on eternity. Oh, my eyes, I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What an awesome prayer. I will wait expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. Though I fall, I will rise. That's what makes the difference. And that's why it's so important because sometimes the Lord wants to use us because we're the difference between somebody falling and staying there or being able to say, though I fall, I will rise. Because this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This doesn't happen apart from community. These promises, they, they mean that we have to be in a community of believers. We think of perseverance in the Old Testament, right? Some stories come to mind. We think of Joseph with the Old Testament. We think of Job. I said to, to my wife, I said, I want to bring some Old Testament. I want to preach in the Old Testament more. And I'm thinking of perseverance, but no Job, no Joseph, kind of. We all, we, we get that, not to minimize those stories if they're listening. No, she said Jeremiah, and I started reading through Jeremiah, and I told her, I was reading through it, and like an hour later, I'm like, honey, my whole sermon's all messed up now. I just want to preach through Jeremiah. I was like, my whole, this whole thing, I just want to go through Jeremiah, so I talked to Pastor Jamie, and the next probably four weeks or so, him and I together, we're going to preach through Jeremiah, because there's so much there. But I want to introduce you this morning a little bit to him. Because from his very calling from God in the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah, and I'm going to read it. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There is nobody in this room that God is not saying to us, I created you for a purpose. The specifics may differ, but the purpose is the same to glorify God, to preach the gospel, to tell people about the Messiah. Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, I appointed you. We are set apart as believers, we are appointed as believers. This language is not, it's 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 not flexible. It's not like, hey, you have the option of maybe being part of this thing if you're interested. And so what does Jeremiah do? He does what we all do, right? Right away he looks and he starts making excuses. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, I'm too young. Like I'm not an eloquent speaker. I don't have the natural ability plus my age. I mean, I'm too young. People are going to look at me and right away, what do we do? The Lord the Lord speaks to us. He tells us who we are in Christ. He tells us what he wants to do in our lives, how he wants to use us and right away we come up with reasons he can't use us. No, not me. I mean, I don't I don't I'm not, you know, I don't Man, do we do that? Lord, I'm not well spoken. I'm not old enough. I don't have the experience. I don't have the education. I don't have the intellect. Verse 7 But the Lord said to me, and I, I like this part. It's not like relax, buddy. No, let me encourage you. No, 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 no. It's direct, it's a command. Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Do not say it. I don't want to hear the reasons you think you can't be used of God. Stop it, is what he's saying. You must do what I tell you to do, what I command you to do. Don't be afraid. Forget about what you see when you look out there. I'm going to rescue you. If that doesn't speak to our hearts this morning, I don't know what's going to. Because we all get a million reasons why we, we can't do as much as, you know, we all get a million reasons. And the Lord's saying, wait, what? No, stop. Just stop. People, I was watching a show the other day and there are still places in the world. Francis Chan was talking about it that have just never even heard the word Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that there are human beings alive in this day and age that they've never even heard the name Jesus? I like this rebuke. I like this direct, stop making excuses. This is what I'm commanding you to do. Just, Just stop it. You must go. And then do not be afraid. Or fear not. And I and you've probably heard Jamie or I preach this before. But you know fear not or do not be afraid. You know that's the most repeated command in all of scripture. Of all the things that the Lord commands you and I to do. The thing he commands us to do the most is do not be afraid. How remarkable is that? It's not just advice. It's a command. Don't be afraid. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Then verse 9 says, Then the Lord reached out to me, his hands, and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. It's my word in your heart. It's my will that you're doing, and you're not going to understand maybe what it looks like, but you go. God's saying, I am the one doing the work. I am the one who will do the work. It'll be much greater work. The Bible says we will do greater things than Jesus did. It says that. It says that in Scripture. What does he mean? What does he mean? Jesus did these remarkable How are we going to do better things? Well, let's think about it this way. When Jesus was here, he was still limited in one time and one space in the flesh incarnationally, right? There are billions of self-professed Christ followers on the earth. What is the greatest work that can happen for the kingdom? Souls coming to Jesus. we got to do the work, folks. And yet it's his words. It's his power. It's his command. It's his presence. But we got to obey. Or we can sit on the sidelines and be like, oh, I'm on the winning team. Yeah, I don't even really want to play anymore. Actually, I know our team won. And so you you know, you guys are good. I can coach. So if you want, what I'll do as a Christian, I'll stand on the sidelines, because I'm on the winning team. I'll tell all you guys how to play. I'll point out when you're playing wrong. I don't really want to play though. You know? I might pull a muscle. And we'd be like, Well, that's ridiculous. That sounds absurd. And then we look at our spiritual lives and we go, Whoa. Again, guys, this isn't me preaching this to you. Just because I'm up here, the one teaching, that doesn't mean that this is the word of God cutting through all of us. So please don't take this ever as me suggesting to you that I got this figured out. But boy, do I want to have it figured out. Boy, do I want with every fiber of my being to live against the selfishness that pervades every decision, every day, every moment. I want to be so selfish, but something inside of me says, Lord, help me to fight that fight. Because there are other people, because it's not about me and my family. Where all right? It's about the people who've never heard the name Jesus. Do you know, I got some emails, and I don't say this other than to just say you don't know the impact ministries have. We got some, e- Emma and Renzo said, you know, we watch the service all the time. We got a guy in Nigeria who shared this us, oh, we, we watch a service all the time. You have no idea how many people are being impacted by this ministry, and not just this ministry, but by the gospel. Why? Because believers are faithful to continue to do the things we've been called to do since the beginning. Jeremiah was blessed by God and tasked with preaching God's word to his people. And he is an example of continuing to persevere when it gets lonely. When you feel like you are fighting against everything and everyone and you are all alone and you're the only person trying to proclaim the name Jesus and you look around and it seems like nobody else is doing it. Still do it. Still do it. Because Jeremiah's faithfulness to share God's revelations to an unfaithful nation is the ultimate example of perseverance in preaching and teaching and living and sharing the gospel. And he faced threats and prison and much more. It's easy to to forget how fortunate we are. Like Pastor Jamie said, you know, people complain they can't get in service now, but when they could, did they? There are some places that they're not free to say what they want. We are free, which means that we have both the choice, the decision, and the mandate from Scripture to proclaim the gospel. And yet we don't do it in places where it's illegal, where they could be sentenced to death for proclaiming the name of Jesus and you can't stop them. Jeremiah stood and he preached against idolatry. He preached against greed, against false teaching. I think if Jeremiah were to stand and and look at the church today, I think he might see a little bit of idolatry and greed and false teaching. And yet, as his church, we're called to stand and teach against those things. It's not going to help when the world sees A church that increasingly concedes to a culture that is more lost than ever, that is searching, and that is getting very, very disconnected. We're going to hear more about Jeremiah and his ministry. But Christianity is not just a self-help program for us. Christianity isn't just a self... Christianity isn't I have goals... And Jesus may be able to help me accomplish those goals, so I'm going to add him on. That's not what it is. Christianity is saying, I now want to align my life and my will according to Jesus' goals for me. You see, everything wrong with the church, everything wrong with why so many people are lost and searching is because they're trying to make themselves known. Instead of Jesus. Jesus wants to use us to accomplish his goals. He doesn't want us to use him to accomplish our goals. And I think too often we do. The phrase comfortable Christianity is an oxymoron, folks. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. You know, because we... We, we acknowledge that certain changes need to be made, right? So there's nobody here, I don't think, and if I would say, you know, uh, the areas of your life you don't want to change at all, sh- certainly there are areas, but there's nobody here that probably would say, I don't want any change at all. I, I think it's probably safe to say that everybody in this room would say, yeah, you know, I want God to change some things in my life. I mean, if you're here and you're at the point where you say, yeah, I don't need God to change anything, please see me after service and we'll talk. But, And I love this by C.S. Lewis, because listen to what he says. Imagine yourself yourself living as a house. For some of us, that's easier than for others. Imagine yourself living as a house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, and he's stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. And you knew those jobs needed doing, and so you're not really surprised. Right? Yeah, well, obviously, the Lord was going to deal with those things in my life. I mean, he needed to. But then, presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. Hello. Okay, Lord, I was good with, the, with some of this, but whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. I, let me see the blueprints. What are we building here? This is not, I don't even know if I want to be part of this thing. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here. He's putting on an extra floor there. He's running up towers. He's making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but believe me, he is building a palace because he intends to come and live in it himself. You know, I said before and and Izzy shared it that you know, our effectiveness is equal to or greater than our surrender, right? That's that's the equation. It's so easy, but it's so difficult. How much are we going to give up? Embrace the struggle. You know, Paul is the ultimate example in the New Testament of perseverance. Paul is the ultimate example of like a a changed life. Like, I'm going to kill Christians. I want them all to be abolished. I'm going to stand by. Like, we kind of brush over this stuff, but it, it was not a pleasant thing. To have stood by and had Paul see what Paul saw, right? We know where, where I'm going with this. So, Paul was not just like a little rough around the edges kind of guy. Paul was pretty much as far from Christ as you could be, right? And yet, for his commitment to Christ and his ministry, Paul says this 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 33. He talks about how he was imprisoned repeatedly, not once. Repeatedly. Yeah, going to jail again. He was flogged, exposed to death again and again, received thirty-nine lashes five times, beaten with rods three times, pelted with stones, shipwrecked three times. Those are just a few of them. And what does Paul say? In Second Corinthians eleven thirty. If I boast. If you look at my life and there is anything in me that stands up and says look at this Paul says I boast in my weakness. Paul says you look at the things that I am so unable to do so you can see the things that God is doing in and through me. That's a heart. That's the heart of a man who's been so radically changed by Christ. This is no going back. That's the gospel. And this Paul writes to us and says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Why does he have to tell us that? Because we're tired. Because it's easy to get tired. It's easy to say, you know, nobody else is doing good. I I just can't keep doing this alone. And you're right. You can't. We can't. But Jesus changed the world. Twelve people he started his church with. Don't give up. Paul says at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Not we might. We will. I mean, can you imagine what it would look like if suddenly the, you know this thing ends and, and hundreds of people come to Christ, not just South Coast Church, but then, then what from our perspective? Oh, Lord, we don't understand why you did this. It doesn't make sense, Lord. Why would you do that? He's like, in case you guys forgot how this whole thing works, He is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul says, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those to the family of faith. Don't give up. There's a blessing coming. You know, we, we know, we've read through so much James lately. We know James is a half-brother of Jesus. It was probably the first book written in the New Testament. He wasn't a believer until after the resurrection. And he becomes the head of the church in Jerusalem, mentioned as the pillar of the church. And he tells people who are scattered from the persecution, he tells people who were being Christians together in one place and who are now separate to keep being Christians even though you're separate. That's the context of James's consider pure joy when you face trials because your character is being developed, because your maturity, persevere, church. Because we are not home. We are passing through. Another C.S. Lewis quote that I love, he says, Our Father refreshes us, refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant inns. But he will not encourage us to mistake them for our home. In other words, there are things in this life that are blessings and that bring us joy and that we can be grateful for and acknowledge nature, relationship, beauty, love, art. All these things that we can say, thank you, Lord, for your beauty, your your creation. But this here, this doesn't compare to home. This might be a pleasant end. This might be a slightly comfortable, but but don't don't mistake this for your home. Keep that eternal perspective in focus. James is about practical Christian living. And it was written to those people who lived in a culture and time where it wasn't popular to be a Christian. And so my question is, has it ever really been? I asked the uh, worship team to to come up now the familiar verse of James that we read all the time chapter 1 verse 2 and 3 consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance in Greek the word for perseverance is is hupomone. I don't know if I've pronounced that right it's all Greek to me you see what I did there but it basically, it, it describes the ability of a plant to thrive in a harsh environment. Like the ability of something to grow where it looks like it's impossible for it to grow. That's like the, 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 the picture there. So the context even isn't just like, oh, you know, you're close, just give it a shot. The context is, if you persevere, the impossible from your perspective will begin to happen. And later, Greek and Jewish literature, it was referred to spiritual staying power. It was referred very much to the martyrs, to those who are able to die for God because they had this this perseverance, this faith that enabled them to continue. Somebody who's not swerved from their main purpose. I think the church, I think we've allowed a whole bunch of things to sway us from our main purpose. Our main purpose is to gather to worship the Lord and to be equipped to do the work of the church, to preach the gospel. It's not just to gather together so we can get smarter and feel better and our spiritual lives can get more deep and then we just stay in this little cocoon. Some churches do that and it may be safe, but it's not the call. The call is not safety, the call is proclamation of the gospel, being made into the likeness of Christ and being eternity focused. We give, we believe. We surrender. He moved the mountains, and he's mighty to save. Church, as we sing, let us shine for his glory. Amen. Please stand.
4: Yeah. treasure in jars of God, help us to just, um, God, hear us when we say, here I am, God, send me. God, we are vessels for you, Jesus. Use us, God. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Thank you, God.